0: Let's go to God in prayer before we get started. God, we thank you for just giving us the chance to be together. We thank you for the opportunity to to sing songs of praises to you today. We thank you for the chance to commune around your table and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Help us now, God, as we open up your word, to open up our hearts to your spirit. May we... Open ourselves up to be vulnerable before you and may that vulnerability lead to conviction and may conviction lead to change in our life. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There was a man by the name of Frank and he was married to a lady named Mabel. They've been married for 40 years
1: and they were celebrating
0: Frank's 60th birthday. During his birthday party, he walks into his bedroom, and in his bedroom is a fairy godmother. And she said, it's your 60th birthday. She said, I'm here to give you one wish. This is your lucky day. One wish. Anything you want. And he sat there and thought about it for a second. And he goes, I would like a wife that's 30 years younger than I am. She said, not a problem. And poof, just like that, Frank turned 90. Imagine that didn't work out the way Frank thought it would when he wanted that That wish. But isn't it just human nature? Isn't it human nature to think and to look at the things that we have and wish for better things? To want something newer, to want something better? Have any of our parents had a moment already with Christmas just a few days behind us? Have any of your kids mentioned what they want next Christmas already? I know that our kids have mentioned that. Um, Vance has a birthday in February So what he doesn't get at Christmas He's already geared up to know that Just a few more weeks away And I'm going to get the rest of what I asked for You know We're always thinking about the next Bigger and better thing But when it comes to great gifts
1: No greater gift was
0: ever given to us Than the gift of grace Through Jesus Christ Amen And in our text today Even though it's very short we see some great truths about the idea of grace. Let's read again together, starting in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us from wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. As we look at this passage, we're reminded of of four things. And I'll give them to you very quickly. And then we'll dig into them. This speaks of the past, present, and future ideas of God's grace. Let's start with verse 11 together. Start with verse 11 together. And we see the idea of salvation from the past, from, from past grace. He says, starting in verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared... That offers salvation to all people. Now, I love this word appeared. Because in in, in the English, it it sounds very simple. To appear means to what? To show up, right? And and, and that sounds very simple, right? Christ appeared. Christ showed up. But in the Greek language, this word that they're using is, is a word that in other writings is used in reference to the hero of a story showing up. We live in a entertainment culture that is just in love with superhero movies right now. There's the Star Wars movies that are out, the Avenger movies, the uh the Batmans and the Supermans and and everything in between. We love we love the idea of heroes. And and we love the big reveals, the big moments in a movie where it seems like the most dire thing is happening, the most, the, the, the pivotal moment that if this superhero doesn't show up, then the, 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 the life is ruined, the life is lost, the, the city, you know, gets just completely overrun by the bad guys, and there's always that climactic moment where this superhero just shows up and does amazing things in amazing ways. And I want you to think about that in that context when you read these words of this idea, for the grace of God has appeared. It has burst onto the scene in amazing and powerful ways through none other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what Jesus brought with Him, what Jesus brought with Him was hope, was mercy, was grace, was salvation in ways that had never been seen in any other teaching of God. So grace brought salvation to us so that we have an opportunity to be free from the bondage of sin. But salvation is an interesting thing. Salvation is a free gift from God But just because someone gives you a gift, are you obligated to open it? No, not at all. There were some images that I kept thinking about as I was thinking about this idea. These are from from several years ago, but pictures from Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans. And the idea here is, of course or what's going on or all these people are stranded on top of the building and the U.S. Coast Guard comes in they drop ladders down and they drop baskets down and lift these people off how many people do you think stood on the building and go no I'll just wait it out I'm okay I'm just going to st- I don't need your help what, but what had to happen for them to be saved they had to what? They had to climb the ladder. They had to get in the basket. The gift was there, but they had to act in a way that gave them the opportunity to be saved. Salvation is the same thing. Salvation is a great, wonderful, marvelous gift from God. But there are so many people who have completely ignored it. So many people. So many people, and maybe this is you, that you've sat in a pew. You've been walking in life. You've been journeying along in your life, and you have thought about salvation, you understand the power of it, you understand the importance of it, but you've never reached out, and you've never grabbed it. You've never accepted the grace, the gift that has been offered to you. You've never allowed Jesus to be that hero, to burst into your life, and to save you from death, Because that's exactly what salvation through Jesus saves us from. It saves us from death, not a physical death. We're all going to die. We, we, we can't get around that. That's going to happen. So we're not going to be saved from a physical death, but we will be saved from a spiritual death, from a separation from God, not just in this life, but through all of eternity. Now, I know, or at least I hope, That everyone in in this room this morning has some desire to spend eternity with God. Otherwise, more than likely, you wouldn't be here. And maybe for you this morning, the idea that you need to understand about grace is that grace comes and has come through Jesus. And that for you in your life, you need to understand that you've got to grab onto the rope that that time has come. You've you've stood on top of the roof for too long and said, no, I'll wait for the next one. No, I'm just going to ride it out. And today is that day for you. Today needs to be that day for you. I love the words of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It gives us. If you will, it gives us what happens when we give into this grace of Jesus and, and we buy into the message and the power of the cross and we become a child through the waters of baptism. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. You see, outside of Christ, we are what? Starts with a D. We are dead because of the things that we do, because of the life that we were living. Um, He says, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. We were by nature objects of wrath. We were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by what? Grace. It is by Jesus bursting onto the scene and offering you hope that you have been saved. So this morning, I ask you, have you taken hold of that salvation or are you just standing there on the roof saying, hey, I'm going to be OK? But we see grace offered through salvation. The next idea we see here is grace through sanctification, grace through sanctification. In verse 11, in verse 11, grace appears. And then in verse 12, we see that grace Instructs. grace appears at the cross giving us the opportunity to believe and following the cross grace instructs us how to live our life look at look at verse 12 with me it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age now I want to to touch on something here, and I don't want you to ever take it the wrong way. But I find it interesting here that he uses the idea that it is grace that teaches and not law or doctrine. You see, a lot of times we can get we can get uh, we, we can dig our heels in. on on doctrine and think that that's the only thing that we need and we can we can hang our hat on that. But here he teaches us or tells us that what's really instructing us, what's really teaching us and motivating us is grace. It is grace. And the first thing that we see here is that grace encourages us or motivates us or teaches us to say no to things. If you go and look in... Uh, Romans chapter 6 the Roman church had they were struggling with this idea of grace and they thought well maybe the more we sin the more we'll receive grace and Paul addresses this he says what shall we say then shall we go on sinning so that grace may, may increase by no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. You see, grace teaches us to say no to things. Before Christ, maybe we had certain habits, we had certain sins that we held on to. And because of the grace of God, we are motivated to let go of those negative things and take a hold of the positive things in our life. But not only do we see that it teaches us to say no as you look at other passages, it teaches us to say yes as well. It teaches us to say yes as well. Grace teaches us to say yes to forgiveness. And to look over the offenses of others. It teaches us, um, it teaches us to accept, to look at someone and say, yes, I will accept you for who you are, not who you were. So grace teaches us to say yes as well. I believe in Christianity, you can tell a lot about an individual's maturity by the things that they say yes to as a motivator of grace. You can tell a lot about the maturity of a Christian by the things they say yes to as a motivator of grace. So salvation and sanctification are two things that grace brings to us in our life. But thirdly, the third thing that we see together is it brings glorification. It brings glorification. First, the grace of God brings salvation. He appears and then we are blessed by that appearing But as we think about our life, as we think about our life, we think about, we think about the day it's all going to end. I want you to think about that moment with me. I want you to think about the day of the resurrection. You know, as a younger Christian in life, the, the day of the coming of Christ and our resurrection before him, it used to really scare me. It used to really intimidate me. And as a matter of fact, I was more comfortable with the idea of just death in general than I was with the idea of being on this earth when Jesus came back and seeing the resurrection of the dead and seeing all these things take place from a earthly point of view. But as I have grown in my faith and as I have studied the Word of God, there is a part of me that, that hopes that I get to be here standing on this earth and witness Jesus coming back from this side of the story. That's just me. That's just something that I think about. But I think about how amazing it's going to be to see the dead rise from the grave and as he talks about in 1 Corinthians, see the old become new. He spends Paul spends a lot of time in in 1 Corinthians talking about the power of, of glorification, the power that comes from what we are now in Christ to what we will become even in full through eternity. We have this great idea that we are going to be so much more than we are right now. As a matter of fact, we're going to be perfect. We're going to be just as God wants us to be. And that is such an amazing thought. We don't have to really... How do I say this, though? As long as we, as long as we grab hold of the grace of God... And we live through sanctification. We are assured the glorification. And that should bring us great, great hope. I love the song. I love the song, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone. I I just want you to listen to some of the words from this song. He says, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. That's talking about salvation. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. He talks about sanctification. And I want you to look at the words of the very last last, uh, last, uh, verse here. He says, no guilt in life, no fear in death, This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. That's the idea of glorification. That we have been, through Christ, created to become something more than this world has to offer. We become more than Satan can ever destroy. And that is through the grace of God. Let's look at the final verse here. Verse 14, not the final verse, but the final idea. We have redemption through grace. Verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You see, that's, that's the result of all of this. Why is salvation and sanctification and glorification so important? Because it puts us in a place of redemption. It is an idea of buying us back, of redeeming us, of knowing that we were so lost, knowing that we were so pitiful and pathetic on our own, that we were so broken on our own because of our own sin. But Jesus, he he, he came as grace personified and he redeemed us. He brought us back and is bringing us back into the image that God wants us to be in before Him. You know, one of the verses that I have struggled with a lot in life and and have have grown to understand a little bit more is the couple of times in Scripture where God and and, and Jesus through, through the Holy Spirit has His writers write the idea that we are to be holy because God is holy. Let me ask you something. Is it easy for you to comprehend that God is holy? It is for me. Yeah, I can comprehend that God is holy. Is it easy for you to comprehend that you are to be holy like God? How many of you look at yourself this morning and go, I am holy like God. Any of you? Raise your hand. Any of you? That bothers me. You know why? Because he tells us to be holy. It's not a strong suggestion. It's not a, oh, by the way, if you think about this today, be holy. It's a command. God says, be holy because I am holy. Now, how many of you think that's impossible for me to do? That's impossible for me to live. Would it be impossible? Is it really impossible? If God says to do it, is it impossible for us to do? Absolutely not. We find our holiness, though, through grace, through salvation, through sanctification, through glorification, we do, we, we grab a hold of the rope. We grab a hold of the rope. We, we grab a hold of grace and we allow Jesus to do what he needs to do in us. And through his ability to redeem us, we then can stand holy before God. Never fear the thought of being holy before God. That is something as Christians that we should live and that we should It's just who we should be is holy people. Don't be afraid of that idea. Look then at verse 15 as we bring all of this to a close together. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Look at that. Verse 15 again. Paul is writing to a young man who has been dropped off in the middle of an island to teach the Word of God. And I'm sure he was inspired in ways by the Holy Spirit. He had Paul to to write him and give him encouragement. He had other teachings that he had, had learned through his time in ministry. But Paul says in verse 15, these words, these then are the things you should teach. What should he teach? He should teach grace. Grace, the power of grace, the amazingness of grace. You know, the world is full of churches. And I I say that in a broad term of churches that are full of people teaching a lot of things this morning. And some of those doctrines are true and pure, and some of those doctrines, unfortunately, and those teachings are ideas that man has made up and is clinging to. But when I think about what I need to teach, when I think about what I need to be about and sharing in my life as I try to bring people to Christ, I go to verse 15 and I see that Paul tells Titus, Titus, These are the things you need to be teaching people. Let them know the love of Jesus. Let them understand the grace that comes. Hey, you're going to have to share with them that there's going to be times in your life where you have fallen flat on your face before God and you are maybe an object of wrath before God. That's, That's not a positive message and that's a scary message and it's not a popular message. But it's important to understand so that you can understand and share with them the power of grace. That through the cross, I have hope. You have hope. The world has hope. As we go back to our thoughts from last week and from Wednesday nights, if we are going to be a church, if we are going to be a church that has a heart for the lost and reaches out of this community and brings people to Christ, And brings people into this family. And helps them just not become Christians. But become true true disciple following members of the Lord's kingdom. Then we're going to have to be a church. That teaches grace. And understands it. And loves it. And offers it. Because Christ did. And if it's good enough for Christ to offer. Then it's important enough for us to offer as well. Let's go to God in prayer as we end our time together. God, we thank you for your word today. And God, I know, and and I've thought a lot about this as, as the week has progressed, God, I know that grace is a difficult discussion for us sometimes because we like things that we can quantify. We like things that we can understand and say there's a beginning and there's an end. And grace is not one of those things because grace, grace is part of who you are. Grace is part of God. And there are just going to be things at times that we never can fully comprehend and understand. But God, this morning, we just pray that we are a church that believes in the teaching of grace that we're not afraid of it, that we're not worried about what other people are teaching about it and how they believe it, but that we concern ourselves with your understanding of it, that we may use it in a way that brings people closer to you and helps save their soul. God, help us to be grace-filled individuals in every situation that we face in life. And for those of us that may struggle with this teaching, God, Just just help break down our hearts to a place where we can find greater understanding. God, allow your spirit to move within us this morning. Allow it to touch our hearts. Allow it to convict and change. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.